Hello, everyone, and welcome to the First Loved Podcast. Well, as I mentioned last week, these three podcasts in a row are Jesus' interaction with specific women. Last week, we looked at his interaction with Mary and Martha. Peter and I were talking right afterwards, the, the heart and soul of this thing, and we entitled it, What is Best? Just the importance that we're always should be asking that question, I think. Anyhow, if you didn't get the chance to listen to that, I hope you do. But today, we're going to look at the woman at the well. Again, very popular story, and so I'm not going to take a lot of time on that, especially I want us just to enjoy listening to Jesus. And I have a really fun story related to this. So we begin in John chapter 4, verse 4. It says, Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was... There's that human part. Tired as he was from the journey, he sat down by the well, and it was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? And then in parentheses, John said his disciples had gone into town to buy food. And I think I want to pause right there because it's a very human moment where Jesus is tired, and so he sits down, he's thirsty, he asks for a drink, it's noon, who knows how hot it was. And then the fact that the disciples had gone into town to get food. I think also, just in a footnote and in a couple of the commentaries, they also made mention of the fact that the disciples went in to get food. It's not that they didn't sometimes interact with Samaritans because they had to, It was especially that they didn't want to be contaminated by them, especially as it related to touching something that they had touched that would cause them to be unclean in some way. So in one of the translations, I think it's the NIV actually, where in the next verse, the Samaritan woman said to him, verse 9, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? And then in parentheses, most of the translations say, for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. But the footnote of the NIV, and I found it in several commentaries, the footnote says, do not use dishes that the Samaritans used. So that again, the idea is that she was a woman, she was a Samaritan, but the fact that he's asking to get a drink from something she would have touched, that he didn't have his own thing and he'd become somehow unclean. And of course, the three strikes against her is that she's a woman in the first place, and generally women weren't chatted with. The fact that she's out there at noon presumably indicates that she's a sinful woman because she's had many husbands and is currently living with a man and is not married. And then the fact that she's a Samaritan, so a Samaritan, a woman, and a sinful woman at that. And Jesus sits down with her and is engaging her and especially asks for a drink. Again, what I want you to catch quickly is just the fact that Jesus is fully a man here. He's tired, he's hot, he's thirsty, he's hungry, and he engages in this woman, and she engages him as just a man and as a Jewish man, and is quite shocked, honestly, that he would ask her, what do you mean? You're asking me for a drink? Well, Jesus answers her, and it's just so powerful. If you knew the gift of God, And who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Suddenly, Jesus has shifted this from what's fully physical, fully natural, that our bodies get tired, thirsty, hungry, and they need to be satisfied. They need to be nourished. And in this sense, you know where to go. The disciples go into town to find food, and he sits by a well, and this woman comes, and she's able to draw water from it. We know where to go 
when we're hungry, when we're tired, when we're thirsty, we recognize the need and we go to the source. We find water, we find food, we find a place to sit down and rest. We have no trouble when our physical needs are clamoring to be met. Now Jesus suddenly shifts the focus from these physical needs to this crazy statement, if you knew the gift of God, you would have asked me for living water. Now, it was interesting today, somehow I had not seen this before, but in reading the commentaries, that the word living water actually had a natural meaning, not necessarily a spiritual meaning initially. There are passages that talk about living water, and what that meant is that it was water that flowed either in a river or a stream, that it wasn't a pond or a cistern, and that generally people wanted to draw water from a living water source, especially for ceremonial cleansing kinds of things and for drinking, right? And so initially Jesus' statement about living water, even that, she would have understood that, well, okay, I know what kind of water you're talking about and where are you going to get that? And especially such water that's going to cause me not to thirst, The other thing that was really fun to think about is the fact that God himself, in Jeremiah 2.13, through the prophet Jeremiah years and years before, said, my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, to hew for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. And right there, you even have the contrast between living waters and then water in a cistern, water that would have been collected, and it's stagnant and it's sitting there. And yet, in this sense, God, through the prophet Jeremiah, is saying, look, here you are thirsty. How dumb is it that you would hewn, make cisterns, and then they're broken? They don't even contain water, so you go there to get satisfied, and there's nothing there. How dumb is that? You know, I'm, I'm the spring of living water. I'm, I'm the source of water, the source of life. And I remember the first time as a young Christian hearing that verse and thinking, Lord, how many times do I go to the wrong sources looking to find something to satisfy my soul? And then when I come away from it, it's like I put effort into it and I'm more thirsty than I was before. I'm more empty, more unsatisfied than I was before. Like, how come I don't get it? That's why I'm saying physically, look, if I'm hungry, we go to where the food is. They went into town. I go to a well. I sit down when I'm tired. I go to the water source. It's like this weird thing is we don't even recognize when our souls are thirsty. And then we don't even more so know what is it thirsty for? And where do I find that? And how do I get it satisfied that it's not as clear and obvious as I need to go to a store, I need to get some water, I need to lay down? God is the spring of living water. We Actually, one of our verses, Psalm 36 in our love verse videos, where God says, I am the fountain of life. Feast on the abundance of my house. Drink from my river of delights, for I am the fountain of life. Or consider this, because in terms of answering the question is, what does it mean to be thirsty? What are we actually thirsty for? What is Jesus talking about when he says, anyone who drinks this water, I guess I should finish that passage first. He says, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water. Welling up, the NIV says, but it was really cool in the commentaries. The word actually gets translated in Acts of leaping up. 
It's the same a form of that verb. It was the when people got healed, they they jumped up and leapt up. And one of the commentaries felt like the best word was rushing, that it was moving, that it was rushing. And the word rushing has a sense that it's not a little trickle. It's abundant. It's continuing. And it's this self-replenishing supply of good, fresh water that never runs dry. Mostly Jesus trying to say, Sweetheart, do you recognize that you know where to come when you're thirsty physically, when you're hungry, when you need rest? But you're looking for love in all the wrong places. What your soul, what your spirit is longing for is to be loved, is to be valued, is to be cared for. And that's where Psalm 63, honestly, I think, it most clearly says what it is we thirst for. Psalm 63, 1 to 5 says this, Oh God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. Listen now. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Thus I have seen you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. And here comes the best part. Because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips will praise you. I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. Why? Because my soul is satisfied as with the richest of foods. What satisfies his soul? It was God. It was his presence primarily experienced in his loving kindness. When Jesus, I think then, is saying to her, Anyone who drinks this water, we're talking about the physical water, you're going to thirst again. But there is a thirst in you for something real and living. And I think that something is a love that's so powerful, so amazing, and a love that you can know moment by moment as often as you wish to drink of it. It's always there. You don't have to go hunting or searching for it. He says, look, I'm going to put in you this gift of God, the Holy Spirit. He's going to come into your heart, into your life. He's going to be like this spring of living water that is, that is leaping up, that is rushing, that is there in abundance to energize you, satisfy you, strengthen you, empower you. In a sense, folks, that we don't have to go and be in these thirst modes, I think, because there's other passages that still talk about, you know, that blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And I don't know, maybe it's possible that we can know it really steadily. But the point is, at least it's right there within us. It's accessible. Again, the saddest part is, I think, what he said through the prophet Jeremiah is that sometimes we just go to all the wrong sources. We go looking for water in a broken cistern and wonder why we're unsatisfied. And it's not living water. And there's not even really water in it. And then you wonder why you just feel so empty if you go to TV or if you go to, in this case, this gal's just looking for love in all the wrong places. We have a thirst in us that was made to love and to be loved. And I think this is primarily what Jesus is addressing is the fact that folks, wake up. Yes, I know that you are physically hungry, physically thirsty, physically you need rest, and you so naturally know what to go do. And you'll go and search for that and find it until you are satisfied. Do that with your soul. (laughs) Pay attention to its thirst and then go to the right source. But now he's saying, you didn't even have to go to some place per se. 
pay attention to what I have put in you. I have put that source in you. It is a gift given to you. And of course, the remarkable thing about this is that he's speaking to a woman who would have been seen as utterly undeserving, unqualified of that gift. And Jesus, right off the bat, is saying, there is a gift that includes you. And that's one of the really cool things is that the language changes, where again, he's speaking directly to her. But then in verse 13, he says, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them, so it's not just to her, but it's to all of us. This is the gift of God. That that source that would satisfy the longing and aching and thirsting of our souls to be loved, to be known, to be valued, to be treasured, to be empowered, to be strengthened, to have purpose, to have meaning is present within us. And it's a rushing stream. It's a living stream. It's an abundant stream. And oh, that we would learn how to pause and engage it and enjoy it. Well, I just had to tell you this story in regards to that, that there was a first love event that we did one time, and it was at a church, and this gal came in a little bit late, and it was pouring buckets that Friday night. And she came in half-drenched, just coming in from the driveway, and she ended up being in my group. I also had the pastor of this church, who I didn't know, who was in my group, So we're going around the room, introducing ourselves, and this guy surprised me, this pastor. He looks at this gal and says, you know, I just feel like the Lord wants to tell you that you're supposed to be here and that he's going to love you and bless you. In fact, he says, I feel like you're kind of like that that woman at the well and that you came. She told us that she'd driven two hours. She'd found out about it, just drove two hours, hoped she would be okay coming and He says, you're like that woman at the well and just that the Lord wants to love you and satisfy you and bless you this weekend. Well, again, I know this passage by memory. So I actually just said it to her. I want to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this gift, you will never thirst again. Indeed, it will become in you the spring of living water welling up to life both now and forevermore. And so I spoke the passage into her heart. He had said this thing, and then other people had to share, and then everybody had to disperse. Well, the next morning, she comes in, and she pulled me aside before we start, and she goes, Mark, 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 I got to tell you how amazing last night was. I'm like, okay. And she just said, look, I am 10 years old, a Christian. That was so accurate. I was so dry, so empty. I saw the ad. I just thought, I got to go. I don't care what it takes to get there. She said, what I wasn't able to tell you last night, though, was that When I was a non-Christian, I was so looking for God, and I just opened up a Bible, and it fell on that chapter. And I read that passage, and I became a Christian reading that passage. I felt like her, and I felt like Jesus talked to me right through that passage. And then you guys said that to me last night. I mean, I'm just blown away. Of course, so was I. I mean... (laughs) It's like, oh my gosh, the meaning of that passage to her. And then we both were able to contribute sharing it with her. Well, anyway, toward the end of the day, we'd finished God saying and the measuring stick and doing all the fun stuff. And at the end of the day, though, we're going around just sharing a little bit. And she goes, I can't wait to go home. I want to tell my husband. I just, I don't know how to share all this. 
And she's like, oh, I just, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? How do I say it? I don't want to overwhelm him, but I want him to get it. No, 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 no. This pastor, he finally turns and looks at her and he says, now, let me just say this. And I couldn't believe the next thing out of his mouth. He says, I don't think you're supposed to say anything. I want you to go home and make wild, passionate, crazy love to your husband. I want you to love him without words. And then see where it goes after that. And I'm sitting there going, wait, what? What did you just say? And I think our whole group was like, did a pastor just say that? Well, I thought, well, okay. And so we just prayed and blessed that. Well, on Monday, I got an email from her. And she begins it with, dear Mark, very exciting breakthroughs at home. She says, I arrived home about 4 p.m. Sunday after a wonderful, relaxing, soaking in this weekend's event, reviewing material and worshiping. I just cannot stop smiling. She says, my husband was in the yard soaking wet with sweat and dirt from chopping wood for our wood stove. He was actually going to spare me a hug, but I would not let him go. I was so overwhelmed with thankfulness and love for him. I am truly blessed. And then the next paragraph begins with, Late last evening, as I loved my husband without words, I experienced something I have to share with you, and I got permission to do this. She says, Here I was loving my husband with all the joy I had knowing God loves me and showing him that love. And I was full of a joy that I had not experienced. And I realized that not only was I not allowing God to love me, but I was not allowing my own husband to love me. For the first time in probably 16 plus years, I truly let him love me, and I received his love. I confessed to him that I was sorry for not allowing him to love me and for not loving him as God loves him. He was so open to the message. I read him my love text from Isaiah 41, 9 to 10, personalizing it for him, and he received it personally from God. He was so blessed. I was so blessed, and we had awesome fellowship and an intimate prayer time so wonderful. Talk about being loved and turning around and loving. Finally, she says, this morning I was again praising God for his incredible love and my husband called me to make sure I was awake. But what he really called me for was to share with me that while he was at the gym listening to his workout music, he listens to worship music, he was listening to a WOW CD. He said the first five songs he listened to in a whole new and fresh way and that each and every one of them had reviewed and reinforced everything we had shared last night. God is so cool and his well does not run dry. Talk about a soul that drank from that spring of living water and then it gushed on her husband. It empowered her to actually be loved by him and to love him well. And then he turned around and was just overwhelmed and blown away. And Friends, that's the heart of Jesus. That's what he wants us to know. Let me finish with this from Jesus. When you believed in me, the Father and I gave you a most precious gift, the Holy Spirit. He is like living water. We gave him to you so that your soul, your spirit, might never thirst again, especially for love. Indeed, he is in you, and like a spring of water that leaps up to, springs up to true life, true living, fulfilled living, now and forevermore, he is in you to do that for you. Drink deep, beloved. Drink deep, beloved 
of the living water, of the love we have for you now and forevermore. And may it cause you to gush out also that love on those around you. Jesus, thank you. We receive it. We love it. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless. Have a great day.